I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome, one and all, to episode 215 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And for this episode, we have a very special interview with Sonia Anubis. She is the guitarist in Crypta and also Cobra Spell, bands that are on two totally different extremes of the metal spectrum. One is a death metal band, one is an 80s hard rock throwback band. So. Nonetheless, Sonia is an uber-talented musician. Uh, I first came to know of her work when she was with Burning Witches, and I really enjoyed what she had done in the band. And I was kind of shocked when when she left. Uh, I wasn't exactly sure what was going on. We get some information as to why she left that band during this interview. And uh, it's it was just a fun talk with her. Uh, I hope to have her back on the show sometime in the future because I think there's a lot of other stuff that we can do. And I don't know, it may be the return of doing an interview in Spanish, although I don't know that I'll use it during Mars Attacks or not, but we'll see. Uh, I want to remind you guys that you can go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out all of the great links to social media where you can follow the podcast, whether that be Facebook, whether that's Twitter or Instagram, or, you know, if you want to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, Google play, Deezer, uh, tune in, so on and so forth. There's links to all that great stuff right there on the website. If not, just go to your favorite podcasting app and look up Mars attacks podcast. Chances are it will appear. So uh, there you go. I also want to remind you to subscribe to the newsletter. Keep up to date with all the different things that I'm involved in. Last week was a crazy week. And I want to first send a shout out to my patrons. That's Steve Hoker, Mike Jones, Brad Dahl, Jeremy Weltman, Mark Striegel from the Talking Metal podcast. And actually, Brad Dahl from Yarg Metal, I should have mentioned that. And Gabriel Ruiz. Um, they knew that I was interviewing Sonia. Been talking about it for some time. We were trying to line this up. Uh, also, I got to do another episode uh, or another two interviews two at the same time. I got to speak to Matt Hartnett and um, Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show podcast network and the aftershock uh, podcast as well. Uh, Those guys are great. Uh, That's going to be episode 216. It should be released. If not the same day that this episode is released, perhaps a day later, we'll see how that all shakes out. But um, following that, following speaking to them. Now let, let me set up the timeline for you. I spoke to Sonia exactly one week ago from when I'm doing this. So it was 7 p.m. my time. Okay. Uh, Then I spoke to the guys from the CMSPN at 12 midnight my time. Okay. 
uh, that episode went about 90 minutes or so. And then I was just, you know, when I do these episodes, I'm on such a high, you know, I've got the adrenaline pumping. Uh, it's just a great experience. Honestly, with all of the other stuff that's going on with me trying to launch my own web design business and just family issues and 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 COVID scares and this, that and the other thing. Um, doing these interviews is like the highlight. Honestly, the highlight starts with me doing my Galaxy of Geeks live stream on Thursdays with Chris Vaglio, galaxyofgeeks.net for that. Um, and then doing the Friday night live show with um, the, the Signals from Mars live stream on, um, you know, on Facebook and YouTube, Twitch and uh, Periscope. And I think it's 17 other platforms around the world. Uh, anyway, so it it's takes some time for me to come down sometimes after these episodes, much like you hear musicians talking about after coming off stage, kind of winding down from, you know, all the adrenaline of playing on stage. Sometimes it's difficult. So I was just hanging out and I was checking out the decibel geek live stream, their Friday night live show. And I was just chiming in on a few different things. And one of their co-hosts, Aaron Camaro was having difficulty with his internet connection. He just moved and they said, Hey, want to jump on? I'm like, uh, Sure. So needless to say, I was up until 4 a.m. <laughs> podcasting. Um, I got to set up links to that. I got to include that in the newsletter. Um, also, uh, I took a day off. You know, Sunday was off. And then Monday, Tommy Clufetis, whose interview should be released about a week from when this comes out, uh, Obviously, he's Ozzy's drummer, played on Black Sabbath's last tour. He's played with Alice Cooper and Rob Zombie and Ted Nugent and a bunch of other people. Got to interview him. And then we're back to today where I'm, you know, coming full circle, uh, doing the doing the uh, whatever host raps for this. And then, um, you know, getting ready for tonight's show. Tonight should be a little less stressful for or not stressful. It isn't stressful, but there's less going on, should say. Um, it's at 6 p.m. Eastern or well, the signals from Mars live stream is always at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. in the UK for those like myself on continental European time. It is midnight Friday going into Saturday. Um, and tonight looks like we're going to have one of my patrons, Steve Hoker, on board unless things uh, switch up. And like I said, you know, I'm, I'm or I've said this a bunch of times. Um, I may not have the biggest people on all the time, but I just want to have cool conversations with people about music that's one of the things that Sonia pointed out to me when I spoke to her. She said, you know, this was more of a conversation than it was just a straight up interview. And that's what I try to go for because Lord only knows these people are peppered with. So um, when's the tour start? 
Um, so, uh, um, what's the album like? Uh, so what's the reception been? Yeah. Ah, you know, we can, uh, everyone does their, their stuff their own way. I just don't like doing it that way. I just like having a laid back conversation with people. And I think a lot of people get not only the people that I'm interviewing, but other people that are listening kind of get lost in the moment because of that, because they're like a fly on the wall in this conversation. So, um, Oh, I mi- I missed out on something. <laughs> I'm saying all the things that I did. See, I should have written this down. I then did a podcast on Saturday with Mark Striegel. I didn't take any days off. What the, f- what the hell am I talking about? So I did, all right, so I did the Friday stuff. I did Saturday with Bob Nalbandian and Mark uh, and Matt Hartnett, excuse me, and Mark Striegel for the Shockwave Skull Sessions podcast. Sunday, I recorded the Mark Striegel podcast with Mark Striegel. I did the recap show, which we were late with that. But, uh, the, and then I did Tommy Clufetis. So Thursday, uh, I did one show. Friday, I did two, three. Saturday, I did one show. And then Sunday, I did another two. And then Monday, I recorded something else. So that w- that's essentially eight different things that I worked on, which is why you should sign up for my podcast. Or not for my podcast. Jesus, I'm fumbling here. My newsletter, damn it. MarsAttacksRadio.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Find out all the different places where I'm appearing on all these different shows. Uh, Next week, I'm lining up interviews which are tentatively scheduled with members of Sumo Psycho, who just released Initiation today, May 7th, and with Diamond Row from the uh, Atlanta band Tetrarch. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. I'm really psyched up to speak to members of both bands. I enjoy both of those releases. So um, check out my new releases post every Friday where I like to highlight new things that are coming out so that you can't tell people, hey, there's nothing good out there. There's nothing new out there that's any good. You just have to find it. I'm just trying to help you out by adding another piece to the puzzle there. So enough of my yammering. Thank you immensely for listening to this episode. Uh, Again, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Go to YouTube or Twitch or Periscope um, and subscribe to the Signals from Mars live stream. And you'll find out when replays are uploaded as well. And just thank you. Thank you for checking this out. Thank you for being involved in the um, uh, in the live stream if you guys are there live. And thank you if any of you decide to jump on board Patreon. That's Patreon forward slash Mars Attacks podcast. That is it. I promise. Thank you for listening. And let's jump on into this interview with Sonia Anubis from Crypta and Cobra Spell. See you next time right here on the Mars Attacks podcast.
Welcome, Sonia. We appreciate you having you on. I appreciate you having you on the show. Um, you are there with your... Uh, that's not a warrior, though. That's a Kelly. Ooh, yeah, it's not a warrior. Um, I have an explanation for that. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? It's not my guitar. It's, ah, there you go. It's my boyfriend's guitar. Even though um, I'm planning to exchange the flow draw system of my uh, East standard guitar. And I was giving a lesson before this. Okay. So I needed a, a fill in standard guitar. So I have that one to fill in the, the East standard task. Right. <laughs> gotcha. It's funny because a lot of um, people associate the Kelly with Marty Friedman, for example. Yeah, that's right. And uh, uh, now many, many guitars actually use that guitar this last this last years. Right. The the funny thing is though, that guitar was made for someone from the eighties or from the uh, an LA band from the eighties. Right. Uh, I didn't know that. For which band was this made? Um the Kelly, uh let me see. I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't think I it was Hurricane or a band similar to that. It's much like the the King V that a lot of people mm-hmm. play. Uh, was originally made for Robin Crosby from Rat. Right, the, the nice red one that he used to have. That was awesome guitar, yeah. Right, so like a lot of people use that because of Dave Mustaine or um, who else has used that? I believe Kerry King used it at one point, but it's a similar deal. Um, yeah. I I brought that up to, um, there's a group here in Spain called uh, Angelus Apatrida, Angelus Apatrida. That, yeah, uh, little, uh I like and I know that band. Yeah, yeah the, the one guitarist who I used to take lessons from uh, plays a King V, and I used to um, mention that to him all the time. I said, "How come you're in a thrash band and you're using a guitar for, that was built for someone from an '80s uh, quote unquote glam metal band?" So uh, he I would mean, always. I think these, question. <laughs> these designs are timeless. You know, they don't yeah. really. If you look at it, it's you don't get tired of it or it doesn't look too old school or anything. I mean, there's nothing bad with old school, but it still looks like badass, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I agree with you. Um, it's interesting to me. Um, I follow you on Patreon, obviously. That's how we connected. Um, for all this time, I thought that the Eye of, of Horus that you have on your hand was a tattoo. Now, I just learned a few <laughs> days ago that you paint that on your hand. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people ask me um, why I don't get a tattoo of this and what is the reason behind painting it before every single show. Mm-hmm. And the actual reason why I put it on my hands, it's literally because it's a sign of protection. The Aura's Eye is a sign of uh, protection. And um, a long time ago, when I was playing bass guitar in a band named Ecoside, um, I very randomly thought about doing it on my hands because it's similar to the symbolism of the hand of Fatima, which Mm -hmm. is a hand with an eye on top of it. And it's also uh, the meaning of protection. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mother, when I was little, giving me um, something from my neck with the hand of Fatima and it always stayed in my hands, in my my head somehow. And I thought, okay, that would be pretty cool thing to do. And Mm -hmm. uh, it can be kind of my thing. And that's when I started doing it every concert, um, such as a before concert ritual. And it kind of became something that I can't play with. So it's every, before every show, I'm always putting that eye 
maybe five <laughs> minutes before, maybe ten minutes, ten minutes before. It's part of right. my pre-show ritual, and uh, it gives me this feeling of protection, like it's part of me. Right. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how it went. And the reason why I don't do it in videos, for example, in YouTube, it's because it's not really a performance that I do on stage. It's it's not the same. So right. yeah, there there's a little bit of a. It's like. Slash wearing his head. I mean, I'm not totally not to be compared with Slash because he's an amazing guitarist, but it's kind of the same reason. Sometimes he's without his hat playing the guitar and on stage he's always wearing that that hat usually. So gotcha. Um <laughs> what um got you interested in because obviously the Eye of Horus, the uh the name that you use, uh, Anubis as well. Uh you also wear an Egyptian Ankh sometimes. Um, what got you into all of the, you know, different uh, Egyptian things? Yeah. So there is some kind of mysticism about, you know, the, the mythology about Egypt. Right. Um, and some, sometimes a bit dark, you know, like the story of Anubis, it's, he's the God of uh, mummification and death and afterlife. And it always seemed kind of interesting to me. Um, and my mother has also a very big passion for this. She studied a little bit about it. Mm -hmm. when she was young and um, she told me a lot about it and gave me many books and it's always was very interesting to look in it and when i was little all i got me interested were were the images like oh this looks so cool and i (laughs) always wished oh god damn it i wished to go to egypt to actually see it with my own eyes so it always captivated me a little bit and also i got more into the the stories of the book of the dead and all Mm -hmm. those spells that there are and I just thought, okay, actually, that could be a nice name to put on my uh, on my artist name because I was kind of, kind of not liking my second name that much as an artist name because it's hard to spell and it doesn't really right. fit. It's not very cool in my opinion, even though I'm, I have nothing against my second name. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Sonia Nube sounds a bit better. So it was very a spontaneous choice. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um... You just mentioned Slash a second ago. You did a cover of Mr. Brownstone. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it was uh, last week or maybe even a few yeah, days ago. Last week, indeed. Yeah. Okay. Um, obviously, you're playing Slash's stuff there. For you as a guitarist, Guns N' Roses have had a lot of different guitarists over the years. Obviously, Slash is the most identifiable, but they've had guitarists like Bumblefoot. And they've had Bucky right. in the band as well. Yeah, and they had the other guitarist also who actually was overshadowed so much by Slash, even though he wrote most of the songs in Guns N' Roses. You're saying Izzy Stradlin? Yeah, right on. Okay. Yeah. My question to you is this. from a As a technical player, which of those three guitarists do you see as hardest to try to play their parts? Ooh, Ingvi Malmsteen, certainly on number one. Okay. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was going completely on a different like <laughs> subject. I was like in guitarists in general, but in Guns, uh, in Guns N' Roses, I would say that uh, Bumblefoot is a very technical guitar player and he can play extremely well. Um, you know, it's I think Slash is a bit easier to replicate since he plays a lot of pentatonic stuff, you know, more okay. blues pentatonic stuff. Um, and then I would say, uh, is he Stratlin, I guess? Okay. Or do you mean in lead guitar players? Like in- um, in, in general, as a guitarist, you know, obviously you're much more fluent than I am. Um, yeah. it, 
just from your opinion, which do you think? Yeah, is- and and they also had Buckethead, indeed. Buckethead. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's also technical, but they're they're three totally, completely different guitar players right. from each other. You know, um, what I find hard about playing Slash stuff, of course, it's blues pentatonics, more like accessible guitar playing. Even though it's hard to replicate his sound, right, his way feeling. of tracing and. Right. Uh, uh, Buckethead is more precise guitar player, in my opinion, even though it's also very hard to replicate. It's about the style of every guitarist. And I, I don't think I have played enough to really know which one is harder to, to right. really okay. replicate. I, I believe they actually are very respectable musicians, mm-hmm. but Slash is just, um, even if his music is not, is, his playing is not as difficult, it's definitely more memorable for sure. Gotcha. Okay. What, turned you on to a lot of 80s hard rock because obviously you've done you did this guns and roses cover you've done rat stuff before that i've seen on social media motley crew poison what turned you on to all this honestly um what got me in music in general before i started playing an instrument was hard rock so when the first time that i heard about kiss Mm-hmm. Um, I was always looking a lot about it on YouTube and trying to find a lot of concerts. And then I realized that Kiss was not the only band that existed. <laughs> so I said, oh, there is also Wasp and there is Alice Cooper. Interesting. This seems like a whole world by itself. So mm-hmm. it really started with all, uh, for me, with all these hard rock bands and glam and shock rock. And that's where uh, my passion for music started and what actually inspired me. And the reason why I'm playing it more uh, these recent um, months is certainly because it brings back um, those memories of, you know, getting into it. And it's always good. You know, it's always right. makes me feel very happy. There's something about hard rock that really empowering and, and energetic to listen to. And the whole aesthetic of the 80s, uh, everything is so cool, in my opinion. And I just love playing the music because it makes me feel like I... Like I'm stepping in a time machine and reliving what these musicians do when they're playing it. And it makes me learn also a lot about how a musician plays the music and how different they are from other guitarists, such as when I'm playing a rat riff. Um, it's interesting because the riffs are played so in a special way. They have very open chords, uh, mm-hmm. while other musicians, such as in Dokken, it's a lot different where uh, George Lynch has a lot of smaller power chords and combinations it's very interesting to learn about uh other guitarists yeah okay yeah that's interesting because a lot of like newer players or even players that are seen as being you know quote unquote truer metal or whatever there's the the one example that always comes to mind is there's a song off of one of uh ishan's latest records uh which is called um until until I too dissolve or something like that. And the beginning of the riff or the beginning of the song has this big giant riff that sounds a lot like it could have been docking a rat or something like that. And yeah, you get when whenever you're play, uh, playing a lot of these musician songs, you you feel like these bands already have some kind of formula and they're playing. And right. you you can learn a lot from that. Yeah. Yeah. Well well that's cool because you know a lot of those players I think were maybe nowadays aren't um, maybe seen as being as important, but I, all those players back then had to be good. You know, they, they had yeah, to yeah. solo. And I think a lot of people get hung up on, 
um, on the image more than more than the actual musicianship that went into those songs. Yeah, and and actually, it's also um, easier to um, back then. You can just do a retake every single time when you were recording an album, for example, or make a cover and put it on YouTube. It wasn't as easy as it was um, back then, where you really had to make a good take to have it on the tape. And um, yeah, right now we have things such as Pro Tools and all these, um, you know, digital workstations on the internet in which you can just modify your playing that it sounds like you played extremely tight, but maybe when you play it live, it gets a lot harder to play. These are things that, yeah, um, make it a bit, I think, easier for guitarists to be able to play something completely perfect, um, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And it loses its uh, originality sometimes, of course. Right. Why do you think that a lot of people don't want to give credit to some of these bands? You had people like Dimebag who admitted to loving all types of music, but now, for example, um, Mark Morton of Lamb of God released a solo album, and there's a song that sounds, I've always said it, it's the best Dokken song that was never recorded by Dokken. It's like two years old. And all the websites would say, well, this is a a blues rock song, or it's this or it's that. And I, and I remember posting on my website with the review of the album, I said, I love the album, but I have a hard time when people don't want to look back at that time period and give it credit. I don't know. I think a lot of people are ashamed to um, show their love for glam, mm-hmm. rock and metal. I really felt that because... Um, myself as a musician playing in a in a band that's uh is 80s lees hard rock and then playing in a death metal band with mm-hmm. black influence completely two different bands right coming from the background where i have like a lot of different genres that i played as musician it's always you know are you either a rocker or are you either a metalhead what are you sonia what are you and it's like can i just enjoy both or yeah. Uh, what I see a lot on my YouTube videos, a lot of people saying, oh, you're a poser for playing uh, this kind of music. And I say, why am I a poser? A poser? I'm just enjoying the music. You know, what's right. wrong with it? You know, it's it's kind of annoying. I think people feel like a certain shame about liking music that is catchy or is also very aesthetically. Um, yeah. Um, how do you see it? You know, the it, there's a lot going on with the looks. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so it happens. I'm not really ashamed for my music taste. You know, I, I like uh, having a broad taste in metal and I'm never going to say, oh, that genre sucks because it's really a, an opinion. Mm-hmm. And you cannot well, diminish opinions. Yeah, absolutely. And from what you're saying, you know, I, as a player, there's a lot you can learn from different from the different subgenres in metal exactly. because, yeah, you know, what was played then has nothing to do with say chords that are used in black metal, which are closer to jazz chords sometimes than, mm-hmm. you know, th- than a death metal player to just something that's straight up like, uh, you know, like an Iron Maiden or a Judas Priest. I mean, they're all different. Doesn't mean, you know, I, I always say to people, you don't eat the same food every night. You always yeah, and there is a thing that I've implemented from the knowledge that I have with, you know, more hard rock music. There's always a, there's, very often a formula, certainly in those arena rock oriented bands, you know, like Danger Danger and this kind of bands, they have like very catchy formulas in their songs because of the structure of the songs. And I say, okay, maybe I can imp- try to implement that on one of the crypto songs. Of course, 
the album didn't come out yet, but mm-hmm. I I kind of thought about that too when writing crypto songs about okay maybe we have to implement the structure of a um, catchy rock song uh, that could be something for a death metal song because then it can become catchier and this is the case for from the ashes the song that we just released mm-hmm. where I try to implement a more you know we we try to think about it as any pop or rock song. I know it mm-hmm. sounds crazy because it's a death metal song, but it's it's it all comes to verse, chorus, pre-chorus, all these kind of things come yeah. back again. And yeah, that's that's kind of how it goes. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because your former band released two songs recently, and it was funny because we've discussed the tracks on Patreon with my patrons. And one of the first things that I said, the song is missing your touch because you could tell when you were in the band, there were certain aspects that were brought forward that had different flavors and it wasn't all the same flavor, I guess. Is which what I'm which band do you mean? Burning Witches? Burning Witches. Yeah. Uh, you, you listen to something like, um, damn it. Now I remember, I don't remember the title track off of the last album that you played on. Um, Dance with, with the, the devil. devil. Yeah. Like that is something that definitely has the type of stuff that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Whereas the two new songs that they've released so far is missing a lot of those aspects that maybe were in the band when you were in the band. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, as in the band, I didn't have much in the previous band that I was in, Burning Witches. I didn't have much influence when it comes to the song structure mm-hmm. and in the writing of the music. I was more of a lead guitarist, so I would add a lot of like uh, melodies and stuff in it, right? And solos and you know har- harmonies in the music more than I would like write the main riffs of the music, which was very disappointing to me because I always wanted to have creative output in a band. That's why I started my own two bands where I can actually have right. you no know, full input. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I was kind of okay. limited there. Yeah, with what you're saying. You know, those harmonies, those different things with the leads are completely missing. If you have two people playing the same thing all the time, you know, why have two guitars when... I, if- I think so too, yeah. It's one one thing that I, I've, I said it a lot of times, but one of the things that most fascinates me for every single genre that exists is melody. Mm-hmm. Um, melody is what catches the ear, what makes you remember right. a song, you know, at least for me. Uh, right. Some people like drummers probably remember it by the rhythm, but I'm, I'm more melody oriented. So when I hear a melody, I can directly store it in my head. And, you know, it, it's very important to have a, a singable and and memorable uh, line in a song, because otherwise um, that that's what makes, in my opinion, a song enjoyable. And yeah, the more melody, the better, actually. Right. Sometimes yeah. I was just insulted by Sonia Anubis because as a drummer, I can't remember melody for, you know, parts of songs that stick into my mind. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I, I'm not meaning that drummers are not able no, to no, do no. it, of course, but yeah. Yeah. No, no, you bring up a good point. I, I posted a review on the new Gojira album today, and that was one of the things that I was trying to get across, which with their evolution within a band yeah. is that they've added incorporating melodies and different things that even without you realizing that it's a melody, they've added certain ingredients to their songs to make them catchy 
and yeah, make and that that's so yeah. important. That's so important yeah. to try to experience experience with this stuff and learn from other artists what they're doing and try to mm. find your own way to make it your own. This is so important. And and I, I of course you can make catchy also with rhythm. Absolutely, mm. it's something I have to. Uh, try to to do myself more because I'm so melody oriented that I sometimes forget how important rhythm is in music. If you think about, I don't know if you know Decapitated. No. Well, they have this song Spheres of Madness, okay. and it starts with a you you already hear it. I'm just straight mm-hmm. up saying the rhythm because the rhythm is so catchy that the song became just so good because of the actual rhythm, and right. that's that's amazing. That's something I look up to, and I should try to find to find more about that uh to find out more about that gotcha that makes sense i mean uh, to your point you're saying that you're learning from all different types of of metal right. yeah so just adding another almost another weapon to your arsenal to what you exactly. can argue. I mean, it, life is an ongoing um learning process <laughs> right absolutely um let's talk about how you got into crypto obviously they're the three of them are all based in brazil correct that's right so what was that process like because you're the one person off to the side on the other side of the world <laughs> um, I, I always am <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um so the re- the the way that i got to meet fernanda and luana uh was when we played a show together in 2018 uh, we shared a lineup with Nervosa and Burning Witches back when we were in those bands playing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the way to get, we, we got to meet was, you know, that was kind of the situation backstage. And they saw me play. Um, that's how they knew that I was a guitarist too. Mm-hmm. And they had the idea of starting a side project in the style of death metal. And um, apparently they were impressed after seeing me perform, which is very, very um, I'm honored because I was always looking up to Nervosa and secretly I always thought, oh, why don't they need a second guitarist? I would love <laughs> to do this. <laughs> right. So getting asked by them to start a pro- side project was like, hell yeah. And it's death metal. It's something that I've um, loved a lot because I've been in many death metal bands as a bass player before and doing this as a guitarist would be awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how it went. We started slow paced, writing some music. Um, finding a, a name for the band. And we did this all low-key, actually, without talking about it publicly mm-hmm. because we wanted to really take the time to to do this uh, slowly without stress and in our own free time while we're having our own bands as priority. Right. And, uh, yes, the things happen as they they happen. So uh, they, they left Nervosa for their reasons. And I left Burning Witches for my own reasons that were totally unrelated to uh, Crypta, since Crypta already existed a year um, after yeah. I left my band. So um, that's kind of kind of how things went very naturally. We, and uh, a little bit before the announcement of the band, we thought that it would be very cool to have a second guitarist in the band, certainly because the songs feature a lot of harmonizations and um parts that really have to be done by two guitarists otherwise it would sound a little bit you know um not full enough on live and also someone that can share um lead uh duties as uh, that would be pretty cool you know if you have one solo and then the second solo playing and taina is an extremely talented girl Mm -hmm. and uh yes she she's part of the lineup and we thought okay crypt is complete and uh (laughs) then we said okay it's a nice time to announce the band (laughs) 
Yeah, and her playing style is completely different to your playing style, which is kind of cool because um, with the video that you guys have released already, obviously you solo in one part and then she solos towards the end of the song, if I'm not mistaken. And your two soloing styles are completely different, which again, why have, you know, I don't understand why a lot of bands have two guitars and they both play the same style. The styles are completely different. So that makes it even better. Yeah. And she, she's better at techniques that, that, that I'm not that good at. And then I can do my own techniques and, it's nice that we complement each other in the things and mm-hmm. it, it's nice to have some different sounds and uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's a cool combination and we, we both understand each other very well on uh, what we want. So if I have mm-hmm. a certain melody, she can directly pick up, okay, so you have this kind of idea with this and it, it's nice to talk with someone who also understands what I, what I mean music, musical wise. Mm-hmm. And she's also someone that learns by ear. And okay. this is something that is very, very awesome to me because uh, I'm not the kind of person that likes to tab out stuff or put oh, okay. <laughs> notes. It's it's nice when someone catches up directly and mm-hmm. feels very good. When you guys wrote the album, um, how was it done? Did you you were obviously in Holland and they were in Brazil, <laughs> but um, how how much did you get involved in the actual songwriting? I was fully involved in the songwriting, actually. Uh, the album was mainly written by Fernanda, uh, myself, and Luana. Uh, okay. Since Taina was not in the band yet from the beginning. Okay. So we did a lot of the work like before before the announcement of the band. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we wrote a lot of demos. We do it with uh, Google Drive, where we share all of our ideas. Um, myself, I just recorded here at home. I, I was kind of responsible of creating the demo since I have my recording uh, gear here and I can translate everything. Um, Fernanda and Luana always had uh, the so-called mouth riffs, which are uh, voice recorded. Uh, right. You know, you have to put your phone and they record like yeah, yeah, yeah. their voice. And I have to translate that in a death metal riff, which is very fun to do because you get very, um, you know, <laughs> different sounding ideas. And sometimes it's not exactly what they meant and then you have to change it. But uh, yeah, it was very uh, democratic um, songwriting together. And we all have been involved, uh, even though Taina, since she came a little bit later in the band, she she got to write the, bo- one, uh, the bonus track, I believe. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but she, she got to do her own solos, though. We, um, she got to play 50% of the solos that are in the album. We split everything okay. equally. Oh, cool. Yeah. So exactly what you were looking for based on what you were saying you had go on with burning witches. Yeah, exactly. So I finally have like involvement in the songwriting for me is so, um, how do you say it? Meaningful to me because I can finally actually put on my creativity. And the nice thing Mm -hmm. about being in crypto is I've been there from the beginning. So it feels like it's really part of me this time. Um, what I've been in before, I've always been the member that joins when the band already exists. Right. Right. And this is something when the concept is already set, when there is already roles in the band and you just jump in and you kind of there like, oh, you just, they, you have to just do the, the, the rest, you know, the, the rest work. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's nice to, to, to be there from the beginning and um, yeah, get, get an equal uh, voice. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, what was and it the, like? The songs feel more personal to me because they have right. 
part of me in there. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that makes complete sense. I mean, anytime that you've joined something after, obviously, if something's already, if a song is already written, there's very little you can do. Yeah, and of course, I can have my opinion, but yeah, someone that is there for three years and you be, you're being there for one year, it feels like you don't have much power to say what you think. It's it's like that most right. of the times. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, what was it like jamming with them for the first time? Oh, it was awesome. It was really <laughs> awesome. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Certainly because it's, it has been a long time that I haven't played together with musicians. Right. Uh, because of the COVID situation. It was already right. almost a year ago, uh, back in January, when we were together. Mm -hmm. So it felt very, very good to actually hear the songs that we've written together in distance, to mm -hmm. hear them being played and they are such talented um, girls and i'm totally surprised how um you know how they play because of course I, i've seen luana play on stage i've seen fernanda play and it was always very impressive but right. being with them in a rehearsal room playing our own songs just feels magical and mm -hmm. also being it the first times that we did it and it, i was very happy to play with them it's, it's it's very cool. Any comments on wearing a, a Vinnie Vincent t-shirt to uh, those jams? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I Whatever I uh, genre that I'm playing, I will always support the bands that I love. No yeah. matter if I'm playing a death metal rehearsal. I don't care. I just want to wear the shirts that I, that I enjoy. <laughs> um. Was there anything going into the album that you absolutely wanted to do that you hadn't been able to do in the past? Um, place the solos where I want. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot. There's a lot. Um, I had a lot of creative freedom. So I, I, I'm, I don't know what I could specifically say because it all was so natural that it was not like yes or no. It was just yes do it and of course mm -hmm. there was a lot of advice from from the other rest of the band if something doesn't sound exactly how you envision then of course we're gonna change it mm -hmm. and uh, but most of it was so easy and yeah it's it just felt natural so uh, there's not pretty much anything that i think that i really had to make a choice in or something just felt like i could, I could just do it and that's it i could even implement some of my synthesizer skills <laughs> I, I like to play some synthesizer mm -hmm. and we needed an intro for uh from the ash uh, actually the outro from from the ashes the intro from the whole album mm -hmm. um so i got to actually do something with synthesizers which excited me also so this this is maybe a thing that i got to do oh that's awesome um what what gear did you use to record the album so i um for the guitars, I can say about the guitars for the drums and stuff. I'm not really no for, for, your, that for your yeah for for what you played. So um, we decided that for the rhythm guitars, uh, one of us would record everything. In case in this case, I recorded all the rhythm parts of the album, and all the rhythm parts are recorded with um, the Jackson Warrior that I play always, the green one. Okay. Um, yeah, it's actually hanging there. <laughs> <laughs> and it has EMG uh, pickups 81 and 85 it has a Floyd Rose original and yeah it plays very comfortably I, I decided to play with that guitar because it's the one that was set up, set up on C sharp 
mm-hmm. and the sound of it is just good. It's a very reliable guitar. Um, it's the, the the guitar that I've had longest, the longest Jackson Warrior that I own. So somehow I feel like a trust <laughs> relationship with that guitar that I know it's going to do right. So yeah, all the rhythms are recorded with that guitar. The amplifier that we used for the rhythm recordings is a PV6505 Plus. Okay. Uh, together with a Marshall uh, vintage cabinet. Okay. And certainly that combination because the PV6150, uh, 6505, sorry. 6505, <laughs> yeah, 6505 yeah. plus has a very nice tightness in it. Mm-hmm. Um, just awesome in combination with a Marshall vintage, which is a very old school uh, cabinet, but it gives it like that bite that it's so cool. We tried many combinations, but we thought that one was just like, the right combination mm-hmm. and uh, the rhythms are tracked four times so we have four okay. different tracks and yeah the solos we we decided to do that like just the way that it used to to has to be you know, i do my own solos and taina does her own mm-hmm. uh, with the same amplifier and then just with some reverb and delay rhythms are completely without any effects it's just straight up from the amplifier so you you're reamping the what you're playing, or you're recording straight out, or you're recording straight out of the amp. We record it straight up with the amplifier, actually, with a mic. We mic oh, okay. the amplifier, right, right, the right. cabinet, mm-hmm. uh, in a whole room. You know, you get like this little room where you put the, the setup and you capture the room sound and everything. So a real um, recording. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm 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 mistaking. I I thought you had said before that you had recorded everything from there in Holland. And then that was added to the album. Not that you actually went to Brazil to record the album. No, I really went to Brazil to record the album. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's I, I, what I've done in before and bands before so for burning witches and stuff, most of the stuff, um, certainly in dance with the devil, all the solos were recorded from here <laughs> with my <laughs> own setup. Then they right. re-entered there. So, um, gotcha. in, in previous bands, I have done it in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Crypt, I really wanted to do it in a studio gotcha. and do it right, you know, get the time to really do it. Um, because yeah, the, I get the, finally the chance to do it, you know, right, right. Yeah. I got you. and I really wanted to take the chance and rhythm, rhythm guitar is a lot trickier to do on your own at home because you really have to be sure that you're being tight there. And it's nice mm-hmm. to have a producer around to, uh, to listen as a second right. ear mm-hmm. and doing it at home you don't have that second ear so okay. that was nice to have yeah okay from one to one did you record the album one to one when what uh... <laughs> yeah so we started recording a little bit actually in one january i think something like that because i was okay. arriving at the 7th of january and the drama was already recording okay um, so I started a week later when I arrived, mm-hmm. maybe three days later, something like that. I recorded my guitar parts. I mean, all the rhythms are done in like five days, seven okay. days. Very, very fast. Actually, way too little time. <laughs> I hope next time we will have more time. I had to play straight up like a lot. And uh, the lead guitars have been done in two days for both mm-hmm. of us. Um, yeah, that, that's the time that it, that it took. But the album recordings took a month in total. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, what was it like for you to have to travel there during the pandemic? Oh, it was quite tricky because of the whole pandemic situation. You need to test mm-hmm. a lot. Um, 
also because I'm going to Brazil, I had to take some vaccines that I that I that I needed to take because it's a different continent and mm-hmm. they require certain vaccines that you don't get uh, usually. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so cor- uh, Corona unrelated, let's say. Right. And right. Um, yeah, I got tested like <laughs> countless times. <laughs> that thing in the nose constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's all fine. The, the flights were sometimes canceled and I had to rebook it. But finally, I really made it happen. We really got together, which was a cool time, finally. So it worked out. It worked out. But I didn't get to do much tourism in Sao Paulo because it's, the situation is just very bad there. Right, Certainly right. right now, it's just horrible. And I, I knew that it was not a good idea to go out there. And mm-hmm. and uh, so the, the time that I spent there, I just really focused on being around my band members and focusing on the album. Maybe mm-hmm. in all the time when I go back, if the pandemic is gone, it will be a nice time to look around in the city, but it, it wasn't really a nice time to do it. Right. Gotcha. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Cobra Spell. Um, you released the EP Love Venom last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, in September. Yeah. Let's talk about that band. As you said, it's completely the other extreme it's a more of a a hard rock glam metal type band um how long did it take to put that band together well um it was very spontaneous too to make this band uh i i founded the band together with my boyfriend sebastian silva mm-hmm. and um yeah it was we always want to do something together we like we enjoyed jamming together since we were like in a relationship because we both we 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 just love guitar. It's our main passion. Right. And we, we've played some cool, some songs together, jam together, like Kiss and, you know, all the school bands. And um, we actually had the idea, maybe we can start a project together just mm-hmm. for fun. And, um, but we were not so sure if it would be a good idea because from other people I've always heard, it's not a good idea to mix up relationship with business, you know, mm-hmm. this kind of, uh things would i always thought okay maybe it's true you know it can maybe interfere mm-hmm. so um i kept it a little bit like well maybe it's not too much of a good idea but then um after seeing a concert of alice cooper uh, a friend that i know actually one of my patreons mm-hmm. uh, managed to get us in the in the vip and get to meet uh, alice cooper himself mm-hmm. and uh, he really we were both together, Sebastian and I, there watching the show. My father was there too, so he got to meet Alice Cooper too. And um, I told him, yeah, we both are musicians too. We love music and we know that he has a wife for a very long time right. and the wife is very involved in his career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we asked him for advice and he told us, like, you really should work together in something. And I said, okay, if Alice Cooper says it, then we definitely have to. <laughs> so. Right. We thought, okay, now this is the time to actually kickstart cover spell. And we really didn't really take it seriously from the beginning because we thought, okay, maybe it would be funny to uh, to have a name like Voodoo Links or, you know, we had some very crazy ideas. Mm-hmm. So, okay, cover spell, okay. And then it, we really started getting it seriously, making music together. Uh, Sebastian is very good at writing lyrics. Okay. So he, he took the task to write the lyrics of the band and myself, I'm more like, I'm really into the music. So I, I composed the songs. So mm-hmm. it was like the perfect combination. Um, and it's nice because, you know, usually you would have the problem that one wants to write more uh, composition and you want to, and then you get a little bit into this, mm-hmm. this fight, but this is, we have like this tasks and this makes it a lot easier for us. 
So yeah, we made the AP. Um, it took us like, um, I think a half year to write the, the AP. We did it quite okay. fast. The recordings took a little bit longer because of the pandemic and trying to find like session musicians to do it because we were firstly thinking that this would be a little bit like a session band. We didn't, we didn't really know that it would be like a real band. So I, re- I, re- I recorded actually the bass lines on, on the album, on the EP. Right. Um, and the drums were made by a friend of mine who plays drums, <laughs> Marco Distillator. He's a t- drummer in a thrash metal band in the Netherlands. Okay. So yeah, that's how we actually did the EP. And we thought, okay, let's see how it's received. And if it's received well, then we just keep doing this. <laughs> right, right, right. And I'm surprised that it was received well. I, I didn't know how it's going to be because people are, I don't know. You never know what's going to happen. And right. I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. Let's just fix a lineup and, you know, work on an album. And that's what we're currently, um, well, the album is already finished. We are just working on the demos right now and okay. uh, getting everything like ready because we cannot really make a band picture yet. We are not able to travel together or anything so we're waiting until that moment yeah where are the rest of the members located yeah so sebastian is located in portland in america oh okay united states and uh our singer is in uh turin turin italy right Mm -hmm. our drummer is in uh lille france Mm -hmm. um angelina the bass player uh she lives in the netherlands very near from where i live so she comes every week here and we jam a lot okay and yeah that's the that will be the locations i'm in the netherlands (laughs) right 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 wow so that so i was saying how you it's an international lineup even though the drummer sounds like he's far away but actually he's it's just two hour drive for him so it's he's not very far away from us um, so it would be just Sebastian and, and the and the singer who are far away, mm-hmm. but um, it works. You know, it's closer. It's actually less difficult than for Crypta because that's the whole band is all the way in Brazil. Yeah, so that would be, that's a lot more far away, but it yeah. works. It works. Cool. Um, when, I mean, essentially, you're saying that you're waiting for the pandemic to end to be able to record and do that. So really, th- there's no like set set time or set date when you guys would like to have the album out no we are taking it easy we don't have a label that is like giving us a deadline <laughs> or anything so we are like doing it on our own time uh we want to finish those demos as good as we can just so we mm-hmm. have like a good and idea of how the songs will sound like mm-hmm. we want to do it right you know we don't want to speed it up too much there's nothing wrong about speeding the process but if, now that we have the time we're going to definitely take it Right, and uh, when we have that done, then we might ser- see if any labels are interested, mm-hmm. um, or give us a a deal that is like interesting to us. Mm-hmm. Never know, and if not, then we will not go for it. Let's see what happens. Right. And uh, yeah, and then we can go further. Um, our idea is to is firstly also we want to really, really, really make some band pictures, release a music video if possible. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, that's all up to Corona because we cannot really travel to each other right now. So it's like, it's very frustrating, but I'm trying to work forward as much as I can right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could you imagine releasing these songs before being able to get together? I mean, I've interviewed bands where they've told me. I definitely won't want it this time. Okay. Yeah. I really want to do it properly. 
Okay. Uh, um, the EP was result of actually coronavirus, you know, it's made mm-hmm. during the coronavirus too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredible how long it's been going. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, the, I, I would prefer to actually have the band involved in the whole process instead of just me trying to do it all by myself with yeah. session musicians. I don't really, it's cool to do it, but mm-hmm. now that I have the band actually, like Cobra mm-hmm. being an actual band, to have the people come together and rehearse together and have that band feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> and it's also a lot better to actually do it at a studio instead of just really pre-produce it myself. And mm-hmm. I would like to have like that, that kind of level. You know, that's interesting too, because based on what you've talked about during the interview, you've wanted to always kind of have control of things. Yeah. But, <laughs> but at the same time, you're saying that you don't need absolute control of things. You just want your voice to be heard within right. a given situation. So you could easily just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do everything myself. And then whoever wants can join in after. But you'd much rather wait and and play with other people as opposed to just have everything well, just be you. I like indeed to have like creative yeah. control to a certain extent. So for example, in Cobra Spell, I really, really want like the full uh, creative control of the compositions. This is something mm-hmm. that I, uh, from the beginning, I stated this band is going to be the band where I'm going to make the compositions only. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, for, with Crypta, for example, is the band where I'm going to democratically do it together with the other band members mm-hmm. equally, you know? So Cobra Spell is really the band for me, a safe place where I can do the compositions myself. Mm-hmm. And that's how it has to stay. So this means also that I'm going to compose the bass lines and I'm going to compose the, the melody line of the vocals just right. because it really fits in the idea that I have in my head and it's the way I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I told the members, of course, and they know that it works like this. So if I, in the demos, for example, I'm recording the bass lines, but the bass lines will be recorded by Angelina because she's the bass player and, and I'm going to let her put her own vibe in it as long as she respects the composition. Right. Understood. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going totally deep into it, but uh, I have, I have a guitar lesson like 10 minutes. So no no problem. I'm I'm wrapping things up. So um, I was just going to ask you, um, what do you have in store for the rest of the year? What, what, currently do you think or what would you like to do from here to the end of 2021 well so right now i'm really looking forward to the release of echoes of the soul which is the full length that is coming out with for for uh, for crypta Mm -hmm. and um, i'm very very excited about getting that album done from cobra spell going into the studio and actually recording it Mm -hmm. um yeah those are my two really biggest things that I win I'm really looking up to of course I'm super extremely excited to play concerts with both bands mm-hmm. um, I just don't know how realistic it is with okay. the whole situation it doesn't really look good because mm-hmm. festivals are constantly being cancelled um, the offers are just yeah it's we're getting offers of course but uh, most of it is just really unrealistic because it just gets over to the next year and right. so we are, we are really booking forward for the next year for 2022 right so i'm definitely looking forward to that but that's already the next year okay. uh yeah so mostly it's just like release and uh yeah I okay will be, 
I also have something that I'm working on with um it's still secret, but uh it's a very big project that I'm gonna join, but I'm not able to talk about it yet. <laughs> okay. Um will people be able to find out about that on your Patreon before any other place? I believe that I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> I'm not sure no. if I'll be able to do that. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm trying to sell people on your Patreon to say, hey, if you sign up for Sonia's uh, Patreon, you'll find out before anybody else. Well, they already know a detail about it that I already, you know, I, I cannot say it on here, of course, but okay. something is being made for me, which is for that. So it's like, gotcha. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, some insights. They get some insights. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, where should people go to, oh, actually, before I ask you this, when does the Crypta, Crypta album drop? It drops on June 11th. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> where should people go to keep up with what you have going on? So as for uh, everything that is going on with me as an artist, they can follow me on every single social media platform, such as YouTube, Instagram. Facebook on Sonia Anubis, mm -hmm. where I'm very uh, active doing anything musical related. Mm -hmm. um, and my bands Crypta and Coverspell, also on social media and on Spotify, we can, or Apple Music, we are on every major streaming platform. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Last question. On social media, you have the Dutch flag and you have the Spanish flag. Yeah, that's true. Um, what does the Spanish flag represent? That I'm 50% Spanish. <laughs> okay. What part of Spain? Barcelona. Okay, perfect. Um, I was just curious. I am currently uh, outside of a city called Santander, which is seven hours from Barcelona. So. Oh, that's nice. You speak Spanish? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my, my parents are from here, but I was born in the U.S., and then, wow, yeah, I was wondering because you, I could hear some Spanish, like in your accent, a right. tiny bit, just a tiny bit sometimes, but you right. have also a very American accent. So I was right. like, does he maybe speak Spanish or? No, I, I, I was born and grew up in New Jersey, but even, even where I live for people in Cantabria, because I have a, a mix between my English accent and how I grew up, a lot of people will always ask me if I'm from Galicia or Asturias, or even I've had people say uh, if I'm Catalan from from Barcelona. And yeah. it has nothing to do with it. It's just my messed up accent from... Oh, I, I live with that every day. Uh, my struggle is that I there is no language that I can actually speak fluently, like perfectly <laughs> fluent, because... I lived half of my life in Barcelona. Okay. Barcelona. So I can speak Spanish pretty well. Actually, mm -hmm. it's like my native language together with Dutch, which I also speak very fluent. But since I'm living now for so long in the Netherlands, mm -hmm. there's always one that is going to be a little bit better regarding right. where I'm living. And now I'm speaking so much English on daily base that now my English is getting better than my native languages. And it's like, oh... My and also like I I also speak Catalan, so mm -hmm. it's um, kind of my, my brain dreams in many different languages most of the time <laughs> and thinks in most different languages, and it's it, it gets very uh, confusing at times. <laughs> right. 
Well, I, I fumble through two languages, so I can't even imagine what it's like to have four going on in my head. So <laughs> <laughs> in any event, I know you have to go. I want to thank you for the opportunity to interview you. And I'll send you the links once it's posted. And uh, it should be next Friday, but I'll still send you the links and I'll post it on social media and everything else. So sure. uh, thank you for your time. And everyone check out uh, Crypta and Cobra Spell and everything that Sonia has going on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me to the interview. I, I really enjoyed uh, that. It was like really a like conversation. Yeah. It's not the question answer kind of thing. That's awesome. Yeah, well, that's what I try doing. I like to have just a relaxed conversation with a person as as music fans and as, you know, just regular people. I think it comes right. out better than just the your typical 10 usual questions that you get all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Sonia. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Sonia, very informative, very cool. Um, I've been following her musically for, you know, since Burning Witches personally. I really think that her playing adds something to that band. And she mentioned it, you know, those melodies and different things that she tended to add is, to me, no disrespect to the band, but it's kind of what's missing. And you look at a lot of, historic guitar tandems there's always one guitarist that adds a certain something to the mix and i'm not saying that you know the two songs that i've heard off the new burning witches album is bad but it's the the there's a certain something that's missing in my opinion that's just my funky opinion doesn't mean you have to agree um, this is all subjective. It's all music after all. So, um, that is that, uh, I will be back in technically four hours <laughs> with another edition of signals from Mars with Chris Aiken of the classic metal show and the aftershock podcast, which he co-hosts with, um, uh, Matt Harnett, who will also be joining us. Uh, we're going to be talking all about, the CMSPN, the Classic Metal Show Podcast Network. Uh, it should be a fun chat. And I've mentioned this. I mentioned this to Keith from uh, Ghost Cult when I spoke to him. And actually a few different people. Most of the people that I've had on since I started doing the live stream are people that I've wanted to talk to, that I've wanted to reconnect uh, because I haven't spoken to them in a long time. And because I think that there's that they have something important to add. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm the biggest name. Um, I'm not going to say that anyone else has to be huge or enormous um, to be important to music. There's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes, sort of grassroots type thing that don't need front page coverage all the time. And again, I think these are interesting conversations with these people and I appreciate speaking to them. So that's what I've been doing so far. I hope you guys enjoyed not only this interview, but any other interview that I've been doing. Uh, remember to go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find all the social media links and links to YouTube, for example, to watch the replay of this if you didn't get to catch the whole thing. 
And also remember that uh, on MarsAttacksRadio.com, you can also subscribe to the podcast. This will be turned into an audio podcast. I appreciate all of your support. Appreciate anyone who's watching this live or watching the, you know, the recorded version. Remember that you can also subscribe to my newsletter right there on MarsAttacksRadio.com. Um, and uh, we also have the Patreon, which I mentioned uh, for as little as two bucks, you can join the club per se uh, in a troll-free environment where I'm posting anywhere between two to six videos a day where people are commenting on the songs and whatever songs people like are going to our playlist on uh, Spotify and Apple Music. Um, that is it. Thank you again. Appreciate your time. And we'll see you in a few hours. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 